please stand for the reading of the word. Today we'll be reading Ephesians 5, 3 through 14. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Um, okay, so we are in Ephesians 5. We are 12 weeks into being a church. And being 12 weeks into being a church, there's a lot to be encouraged about. Uh, as the weather gets colder, I was just thinking, as the weather gets colder, it feels like the church is heating up a little bit, and, uh, and that's encouraging. Uh, we're averaging more than 100 people every time we're gathering now, which is really encouraging. And about half of everyone that's coming is not in this room. About, if you look around, there are at least this many kids over that way. You know, thankfully, this is a place built for kids to thrive in, so that's really nice, uh, and we're thankful for it. But to have that many just elementary age and under kids, you know, so there are, we've got middle school, high school kids in here, but to have that many elementary age younger kids that every week they are growing up hearing the gospel, hearing about Jesus, and for them, not just hearing it, however, but hopefully they'll grow up seeing Jesus working all around them, okay? Seeing Jesus at work, and then seeing them working in their lives. And with the idea that transformed people transform communities. So to have these kids, and that's part of, I mentioned this before, but in our logo, there are two acorns there. And so one of the reasons is because the white oak is the state tree of Iowa. And so an acorn is like the, you know, the state tree of Iowa. And then, but it's common for oaks in Iowa to be as much as 300 years old, which I didn't know that. Like, that's crazy. I guess they found, like, the oldest one in Des Moines a few years ago. It was over 400 years old, and it died the year they discovered how old it was, which was super sad, you know, for that tree. But, um, but one of the reasons that we have two acorns is because, first, like, a grove of them grow better together. And with the idea of, like, what if a kid in kids' church right now hearing about Jesus and responding to Jesus and then spending a lifetime of, of walking with him like that could have a 300-year influence. And if two of them are being affected that way, that could affect generations to come. And that's just our prayer and our prayer, and it feels like we're seeing some of that happening. It's ex 
exciting that we do have several people signed up for baptisms on December 15th. And baptism doesn't save, as TJ was mentioning, but baptism is a, is a public show to say, Jesus has changed me. I have put my faith in him. I have been radically changed by him, and now I want everybody to know about it. And so you go into the water signifying, identifying him with it in his death, come out of the water, and the book of Romans says we're raised to walk in newness of life. Um, I've had the privilege of baptizing people that as they were coming out of the water, it was such a powerful moment that people watching put their faith in Jesus for the first time. And uh, I think the last time that happened was a little over a year ago uh, that, that was exciting to be a part of. And so we're even praying into that December 15th that that may happen in this place. Um, it's really cool that TJ had mentioned launching community groups. In our house last week, I thought potentially the house was just going to, at the end of the night, just be like, I'm just going to collapse. We're done here, you know? We had 48 people that came into our house like, last week. And, uh, and that was exciting for people saying, I want to study the Bible. I want to be known. I want to be in community and all that stuff. So we're, for those introverts, it will not be that way next week. So please uh, come to one of the groups. We're going to have at least four groups this week. And we've got another one that's, that's ready to launch if, uh, if we need to go there for the following week. So, so it's crazy what Jesus has called us to do here. We're just getting started. We're seeing him work. And if I was Satan... This is where I would be on the offensive. If I was Satan, I'd be like, you know what? Let's, let's shut this thing down before anybody else gives their life to Jesus. Let's try and make this about something else. Let's not make this about Jesus. Let's, let's just let's take them out at the knees. If I was Satan, I would, I would be planning to take this church out at the knees right now, 12 weeks in, and not wait any longer. And what I think is interesting is that the way he would do it is not, you know, we've committed that the word of God, the scripture is the words of God. And so we shouldn't just pick and choose, like, hey, let's just pick like the most like warm, fuzzy verses. Instead, we're like, hey, we're just going to go through a book of the Bible. And so whatever it covers that week, that's what we're covering. We're trusting the Lord is leading us that way. And we're, we might be like, man, this is going to be hard. And it's like the Lord's like, yes, you need hard. <laughs> like you need to be challenged. You need to be encouraged, like all those things. And so, but, uh, so we'll, we'll uh, this will be our last Sunday in Ephesians for six weeks. So next Sunday, we'll be focused on, on Thanksgiving, uh, which is crazy that that's a week away. Uh, then, uh, then we'll enter December, and we'll focus on, on Advent season and Christmas. And so we won't resume in Ephesians 5 until uh, January uh, and just for a few weeks. But then we'll, we'll go through another book of the Bible after that. So if I was Satan, though, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to get them to choose the wrong book of the Bible to go through. You know, I'm going to have them go through Leviticus instead of Colossians or something. You know, like that wouldn't be very effective because it's the word of God. We'd be just fine in Leviticus, right? Or he wouldn't be like, you know what? As Christy is choosing kind of songs for the week and we're interacting with that, I'm going to get her to choose the wrong song. You know, it's like, uh, that's not, I don't think that's going to affect the life of the church very much. I think if this church and the church in Ephesus is going to be taken out at the knees, it's going to be our lives is where it's going to happen. Because the church, this is a beautiful place, but the church is 
the beautiful people in here. The church is the people, not the place. And our lives are not just kind of secondary. And it's like, well, I can live this life over here, but then we'll come together in this room. No, our lives, we are the church. And so it's our lives that he will mess with. And it's the way he will direct our lives that will actually potentially shut this thing down. And yes, this is our last message in Ephesians, but I think it's purposeful that the last things we'll hear in Ephesians for several weeks is this. And uh, what we do with our bodies, what we do with our mouth, what we do with our, our thoughts, what we do with our actions has a massive influence on the transformation of our community for Jesus. What we do with our temptations, what our, hearts young, what our hearts yearn for, how we talk to each other, these things have such a strong influence to see revival in our town. Like, we don't think like, hey, the way I talk to TJ, or the way I talk to Jimmy, or the way that I talk to Amanda is going to have a massive influence on our community. But this is every bit of what Ephesians is talking about here, what the Word of God is talking to us, is the importance of our lives in reaching this area is a big deal for us today, and it was a big deal in that day. This will be, I think we can't miss today. And man, my prayer, Lord, is just that, that you would quiet our hearts, that whatever we brought into the room, that uh, we would open our hands up to you. We don't want to play at church. We don't want this to just be some religious exercise that we just come in for an hour and leave and get a dopamine hit or whatever it is. Lord, we, that's surface. Lord, we want to meet with you no matter how it makes us feel, knowing that that leads to freedom, to life. We want to be a transformed people to see our community transformed. So as your word starts speaking to us, would we respond, would we hear? Bring down our walls, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our backstory up if there are parts in there that um, you need to do work in today. For your glory we pray, amen. Okay, so we're in Ephesians 5. Look, feel free to look at the table of contents to find it quickly. Uh, the verses will be on the screen too. Let's start in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Only time that phrase is used in scripture, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So who is being addressed here? Who are we? Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus is, is where the letter is spoken to, and it's spoken to everybody. But those of us who have bowed our knee and are bowing our knees to Jesus, what do we look like? What do we talk like? 
this section tells us, and here's what's weird, because I don't address my wife this way, I don't address John this way, but the way we are addressed is as saints. Saints. And it's not the first time in the book. In this biblical book, we have been addressed as saints multiple times. Saints are usually pure, set apart of a privileged position. Now, some, based on your, your, where you've come from and stuff, some may see saints as, well, there are only a few of those. And, you know, you have to wait hundreds of years to even see through the rearview mirror if someone was a saint. Others, though, when they think of saints, they may think of some arrogant, prideful person, you know, like, uh, who's the guy on The Simpsons? I'm blanking on his name. But you... Yeah, Ned Flanders, thank you. Like, maybe you think of a Ned Flanders, and you're like, I don't want to, if that's who we're talking about, you know. But a saint, none of those things are true. A saint is someone who has devoted their life to proclaiming that they are deeply broken. So broken that self-sufficiency, man, like, I've had people visit Iowa and be like, man, people here are just like, so like, good at stuff. Something breaks down, they can usually fix it. Or like, they've got wood, they've got grain in the barns. They're like, man, they kind of are like, okay with like a zombie apocalypse. You know, it's like, you know, if that happens in a big city, it's like, no one could survive. Happens in Iowa, it's like, we'd be fine for years. You know, like, we'd be okay. But a saint is someone who is so broken that self-sufficiency, a perfect family, perfect meds, successful kids, the American dream, the perfect Instagram life, none of those can go deep enough to fix what's broken. Saints of Jesus are very broken people who cannot make it to heaven on their own. And for that matter, can't make it through the day on their own. It's okay. A saint has been made a pure, set-apart, forgiven person only by Jesus. Jesus has heard their confession. Jesus has met them in their weaknesses, and instead of punishing them, giving them what they deserve, he reached out his nail-scarred hands, and he invites us into a life with him. So if you hate Jesus, you're going to hate our church, because this is his place. He's the head of the church. We are his body. And it's okay if you don't know where you're at with Jesus. He, you're not in here on accident. And you're welcome to be here a long time. But this is his place. He's the guest of honor. He's the center of attention. And here, these five verses are pleading with us in each of our lives that those whose life is bound up in Jesus that saints are to live thankful lives. Saints are to live thankful lives. It's kind of weird that he said thankful lives. Like it's not, we didn't plan that this is like the week before Thanksgiving. In scripture here, it's there all year round saying saints are to live thankful lives. If you are thankful, you will not chase after or be characterized by these sins. So all these sins that we're going to step into that are mentioned, the antidote for those sins is not to, oh, stop it. Just stop sinning. The antidote isn't like, hey, you should find a more fulfilling job or whatever. The antidote for all of these sins is thankfulness. 
Thankfulness is the antidote for all these sins. So here are the sins not to do as we walk with Jesus. First here in verse 3. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. So when our names come up with our friends, when our names come up with those who we are dating, when our name comes up with our spouse, when our name comes up in the court of heaven, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, desiring something you don't have, a life that you wish you were living somebody else's story, all of those things shouldn't even be named among us. We should just be thankful for where we are and when we are. If you're single, we can be thankful for that. You could say, well, it's easy for you to say. Well, Jesus, Paul, and many others have spent a lifetime sexually pure and single. Jesus' power is sufficient. Jesus' power is sufficient, and it is glorious to see people tap into the power and live in that power of being able to be single and pure for a lifetime. And man, as I've gotten close to some of those people and seen them walk with God in those ways, it builds me in my faith like crazy when it's like, wow. The way that Jesus is empowering you to be thankful is awesome. If we're dating, we have power in Jesus with thankful hearts to be pure, to be thankful for where we are. Up until the day we're married, that person is not your spouse. And they are potentially someone else's husband and wife that you're dating. So treating them as a brother or a sister in purity honors Christ, it honors them, it shows that you truly care about them. In marriage, having a thankful heart is huge. Very few people go into marriage counseling and just are like, I'm so thankful for that person. I'm thankful for them too. Like, you know, like you don't see that, right? In marriage, though, having a thankful heart is huge. And man, Patty and I have gone through marriage counseling where we're like, hey, this is like preventative maintenance, like poke around and see the areas where we are not being thankful. It's scary, but it's a good place to go. Uh, Not looking for every reason to look elsewhere for sexual fulfillment, but to look intently at the spouse that God has given you and to be thankful, not covetous. Our everyday conversation deeply impacts our ability to be a saint with a thankful heart. Look at verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. If your conversation is filthy, if your words drip with foolish talk, if crude joking is what you're known for, your heart's going to get led astray. It might seem harmless, but it's not harmless. It's affecting our church because you are the body of Christ. You'll stop being thankful. There are far more healthy conversations for us to walk into as, as thankful saints. Um, I had come to Jesus at UNI in college, and a really close friend of mine, Kevin Oswald, Bryce's brother, um, Kevin and I became accountability partners, and we studied the Bible together, we prayed together and all that stuff. We were growing like crazy in the church, and one day they put forward all these guys for leadership in the church. And I could tell like Kevin was like really bothered. And Kevin is a pilot for JetBlue now. At the time, he just worked in the Cedar Falls Waterloo Airport. And, um, and uh, I was like, what's going on? And he's like, man, I don't know what to do. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know that one guy? And he mentioned the guy's name. I was like, yeah. He was like, no one has a worse mouth at the airport than that guy does. 
And on Sunday, like, he seems to be this, like, pillar of the community, but it's like, he's like a sailor that just got off the boat when I see him on, like, on Tuesday. And he's like, I don't know what, to, I don't know what to do. You know, and him and I just, like, come to start walking with Jesus. And, uh, you know, and it's just, verse 4 was not true of his life. Verse 5 shows the seriousness of the lives we lead. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. So um, there's a lot in that in that. And so um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I think, helps shed some light into exactly what are we talking about here. It uses almost the same language. It says, or do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, if you want to jot it down. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you might think to yourself, I think he mentioned all of us. I'm not sure any of us are making it out of here. I think all of us can find ourselves in that list. And that's the point. So, if you say, well, you know, I'm just an adulterer. It's just the way I am. So that's just the way it's going to be. Or, man, I just covet. I just am on this, looking at this Instagram feed of stuff I don't have that I wish I had that I'll never have. And uh, that's just who I am. So it's like, yeah. In the kingdom of God, it's not like that. You can't walk into the kingdom of God like that. And man, it's like depressive hour if that's end of story. But that's what brings us in the door. <laughs> like that's what brings us here. And our kids are loving something about Jesus right now. Uh, but that's what brings us here. That's what brings us in the door. And what keeps us here and keeps us being changed people who are looking for people to change because of what's happening in us is verse 11. Such were some of you. In the Greek language, uh, there are several different ways to have a conjunction. So just to say, I was going this way, but, and so English is really simple. Like we just say, but. They have like six words that are like, but, just different. It's almost like when you pick fonts and it's like normal, italic, bold, super bold, block letter bold, you know? And so it's like they have that for words, for like a conjunction. They have different things. And so the strongest, strongest of being like, we were that way, but now we're this way, is this alpha, lambda, lambda, alpha. Allah is the word in the Greek language. And there is six of them in this section, which is crazy. I think it's the most concentrated form of the strongest buts <laughs> that are in scripture is, yes, all of this was true, but you were washed. But, there's another one there, it's not in the English, but you were sanctified. But 
you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Those sins, they no longer characterize us. They're part of our backstory. They're maybe part of our story now, but we're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. We're being counseled by the Holy Spirit. We're being empowered by the Holy Spirit so that these sins no longer are us. They no longer characterize us because we've been washed. We've been sanctified. That's just a fancy way for saying we're made to look like Jesus. We're being changed from the inside out to look more like him, and then we're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Another fancy word that just is like, hey, there's justice between me and him. It's just like we never sinned in the first place because of what he's done. That's why we're thankful. That's why we live in the thankfulness. That's why we're not freaked out by all of those sins that people could walk in the door with because that's how we're walking in the door too. But we've been changed. We're being changed. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. I hope the Lord has shown your heart that these words from Scripture are powerful words that can actually make a difference in our lives. There are deceptive words that you can hear that are empty. They don't mean anything. They're not going to change your life. You might have buddies that say things to you, and man, they might give you just a little laugh, but they're not not changing you. And here, verse 6 is saying, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, who are all offered salvation as well. They will minimize the impact of sin. But if the wrath of God is in conversation, this needs to be taken with the utmost seriousness. So I think the question for all of us is, where are we at? Where do we find ourselves on the map here? Are you a thankful saint? Do you yearn to be a thankful saint Do you want to grow in being a thankful saint? No matter what your story is, his story overshadows our story. If you could formulate a prayer right now, like an honest prayer right now, would it maybe be, Lord, would you rip pornography out of my life? My heart's not thankful. I don't even know why I'm going that direction, but would you rip that out of my life? I want to be a thankful saint. Or maybe formulate a prayer right now that it's like, man, I spent a lot of my day wishing I had a different life, coveting after some other, somebody else's job, someone else's status, someone else's whatever it may be, and to say, man, I just want to be a thankful saint. I remember when I first met Jesus, I was so overwhelmed. I remember this day where I was like, Jesus, I could live in a dumpster just you and me forever for the rest of my life, and it'd be awesome. Like, I, I remember thinking that, you know? And, you know, and so, so many, I bet there's been thousands of days since then that I haven't felt that way. And I want to feel that way. That's a thankful place in light of our circumstances. Would you ask Jesus to make your heart a thankful one? And, and this is, in our community groups, this is like exactly the type of stuff we're talking about. If you aren't, if you aren't there yet, you aren't comfortable to share with that, man, be in the room to hear other guys, though, too, share, and other ladies. We want to, this coming week, we'll break into gender-specific groups to help develop a sisterhood and to develop a band of brothers that we're really walking into this and not playing church, but really letting the Lord change us. Then verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness. The one who knows, 
You could be like, hey, doc, no, man, it's just a minor flesh wound. He's like, no, at one time you were darkness. That was the word that best described you. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So the first section had a bunch of things that we weren't supposed to do as we live thankful lives. But now it's like, so that was kind of like defense. Like, hey, don't do this. Don't block that. Block that. Block that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now we're on offense. And it's like, okay, now... Let's get after it. Let's do this. Let's do this because we are light in the Lord. Verse 7, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to walk as children of light. At one time, we didn't like the light. It's an interesting observation, I think, that so much sin actually happens when it's dark outside. Have you ever noticed that? So much sin happens when it's dark outside and, or in poorly lit rooms. But then the light gets turned on. We are light in the Lord. I think what's fascinating about this, this it's, it's, it's a really interesting sentence for him to just say, you are light in the Lord. Like, Man, what does that mean? What does that look like? Say, we are light. And I think one of the ways to think of it is like the moon, Right? Like, I mean, we got, I'm a deer hunter, so I'm trying to pay attention to the moon phases and all that stuff this time of the year. And the moon, I don't know if you know this, but it's been like big time the last several days. And, um, you know, the, the moon can be bright. I don't know, we got a telescope and I thought it'd be awesome to look at the moon and it'll like burn your eyeball, <laughs> like looking at the moon with the telescope that we have, you know, like you see someone looking, you just see like a white shining, you know, because it's so bright and all it's doing is reflecting the sun, right? So we're not generators of light. We are light in the Lord. We're like the moon. We're, we're reflecting the light. We're to walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So to be walking away from darkness, to be walking towards the light, to point where we are walking as children of light, and it's becoming who we are, our DNA. We're becoming children of light. I mean, that's like a huge difference from where we've come from. You know, it'd be like, hey, you guys know Pam Pelham? Yeah, she's like light. It's like, whoa, you don't know the same Pam I know. It's like, hey, how long have you known her? Oh, do you know her story with Jesus? That lady shines. <laughs> she is shining brightly, and it is awesome to see. Okay, you might have to put little, like, those glasses on to guide, you know, so you don't see too much light. She's walking as a child of light. Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, this made me, I shared about this at our prayer time before the service that so you're welcome to join at 9.15. Um, but when I started really chewing on this, uh, I started thinking about my wife and, and just on my best day that I don't have all the time, but on my best day, if I look in the sink and see that there's dishes in the sink, and I see that there's some clutterings here and there, and we have a 
extreme amount of dogs in our house. And so if there's things with the dogs going on that um, on my best day, I could be like, you know what? My wife would love it if I clean, if like I do the dishes. And uh, I could get her a dozen roses and she'd be like, eh. But if I do the dishes and the floors and several things that I know about after 15 years of marriage, she would be like, oh my gosh, this was great, you know. But when she walks in the door, I wouldn't be like, check the sink, baby, you know. Like, that would be me trying to please myself. But if I'm just wanting to love her and just kind of keep it on the down low, but I work my butt off before she got in the door, um, like, that's me just sitting around being like, how can I please her? Oh, I got a good one. She would love this. I think of my wife that way, but I was just, I've been following Jesus now for over 20 years, and I was kind of convicted this week that I don't think I've thought of Jesus that way before. I don't think I've just sat around and been like, oh, I bet you my God would love this. I bet you if I did this, I bet you if I went in this place that I'm too afraid to go to, or I bet you if I went this way when I usually go that way, he would love it. And that's this verse. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't just do it, but try and discern it. Like, hmm, what would he love? What would please him? And like, what type of marriages would we have? And that's actually some of the passages we're looking at at the beginning of the year. What type of marriage would we have if all of us dudes are doing that in this room, thinking about how to please our wives? But then, what type of a community would we have if all of us are thinking about our God that way. Man, let's, let's do it. I mean, it's like, I want to go for it. TJ wants to go for it, I could tell. Uh, then look at the offense that Jesus places us in. This is a lifetime calling in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I mean, come on, like every guy wants to be a warrior, right? When you're a kid, like you just want to like go for it. And it's like this is a lifetime of pushing back darkness wherever we find it. If we find it in here, if we find it in here, if we find it in our family, if we find it in our state, in our community, if we hear about meth use in a particular part of our community. Um, it seems like Baxter is having a pocket of meth use that is dark. And Jesus would say, expose it. You have any idea how fast darkness flees when the lights turn on? You guys are light. Shine. Man, that's purpose in our lives. That's passion, something to be passionate about. That's something to lock arms about, something to be a church together. What does it look like for each of us to expose darkness in our lives and community? What does it look like for that? And this is a good prayer. This is going to be a good discussion. I'm looking forward to having this discussion in community group, too, of what it looks like to pray over each other. Um, it, I would say if I came up to you on Christmas Eve, our service uh, on Christmas Eve, and I was just like, wow, this last month, since that November date or whatever it was, the 17th or whatever day that was, I don't know what today is, but if it was like, man, like over the last month or so, it's just been like, it's been really amazing to see you 
and to see what Jesus is doing in you and to see you step into the light and seeing you even expose the light has been crazy. I think good prayers be like, what, what would we be talking about? What part of your life would we be talking about? Does that make sense? Like, like you know, Lord, show me. Like, is that, is that my eating habits? Is that like I turn to food when I should turn to Jesus? Is that, man, is that just the way I interact with my wife? Is that the way I think of my family? Is that the way I cope with things happening at work? I don't know. But the Lord knows. And so would he show us? Then we get to verse 14. Verse 14 is a song. Christy told me that she wrote a song this week, and, um, and she put it on Facebook, and it's great. She's a gift, uh, a songwriter in our community. She has her own playlist on Spotify. I heavily recommend you listen to it. Um, it's, it's honest music with a, with a real savior. Um, this is just a song that they were singing in the early church. It's one of the only just like, hey, these were songs that were written by people who had just come to Jesus when Jesus was just ascended to heaven. And this is one of the only ones actually makes it into scripture. And it's, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I think our question for us is just, will you sing this? Will you, will you sing that? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Like, will you sing that to yourself? Because the early church, like, are owning that. You know, sometimes we're like, you just got a song inside of you, and you can't get it out. Like, it's just floating around in there for several days. And it's like, is that true of you? Or do you want it to be true of you? Like, would you like that to be your song? Hey, wake up. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And would you sing that to our community? Now, of course, I'm speaking metaphorically here, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I shouldn't be singing anything to anybody, but like, would I speak this? Would I communicate this? Would I live this out? Would we live this out? Lord, help us live this out. Help us hear from you. Lord, help us not play at church, but, but in this elementary school cafeteria, it is beautiful, but would you make it even more beautiful by transforming it into a sanctuary of your presence right now? Lord, would you have this be the song of our heart? Would you have this be our lives? Would you show us where we go from here? Would you show us conversations we may, may need to have with each other? or conversations we may need to have with you. And Lord, if we walked in here and we just knew that we knew that we were darkness, Lord, would you wake us up? That our faith would be in Jesus, that we'd be all in. Not maybe a day from now or two days, but right now would we be all in, all of us. Have your way in us, through us. Make us your people. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. It's super appropriate for us to transition into taking communion. This is just, we've been communing with Jesus through worship. We've been communing with him 
through giving. We've been communing with him by hearing him direct us as a church. And now we get to commune with him actually through taking these elements. And so what we'll do is we'll, uh, we've got these two places uh, up front here. I think we don't have gluten-free today, huh? So sorry, um, but uh, we have regular bread here, uh, then we'll, we'll take those and we'll just come forward and take it and just hold on to it. Hold on to, to the bread represents his body that was lived perfectly in our place. So just tear that off. And then we'll go back and we'll all stand together. We'll take all of this together as family. Uh, but tear off the bread representing his body. And then the red color is wine, uh, the light color is juice. Just obey your conscience there. Uh, This represents his blood that was shed for us, taking it from the inside out, washing us white as snow, forgiving us of our brokenness, of our sins, giving us new life. And so, so let's come, let's take the elements, and then we'll take it together. And if you are not in Jesus right now, meaning that he is not your savior, uh, come to him. Don't come to the elements. Actually come to him this morning. Let's respond.